This is day 87 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Esther chapters 5 through 9. Lord Heavenly Father, have mercy on us today. Have peace and glory be filled in our hearts today with just a reminder of who you are. So often we neglect who you are and not put you actively in our minds and put you first in all things. Lord, we struggle. Living life sometimes feels like an uphill battle, and we feel so alone because we love you, Lord, and yet the world doesn't. It's, it's so hard to have an outlet that's not you, and it, we, we try to do things apart from you, and it fails because, like you even said, that apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord, please show us how to run to you at all times. For you are sufficient for us. May we learn how to be abiding in that sufficiency and to seek it as the first default in our life. So, so often than not, we try to look for things in this world to fill that gap, and we always fail, and it will never satisfy. But Lord, you are satisfactory, and please remind us of that, for we are sheep, and we need your guidance and your staff in our life. Please bless the reading of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's rooms. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room, opposite the entrance to the palace. When the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, she obtained favor in his sight. And the king extended to Esther the golden scepter, which was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. Then the king said to her, What is troubling you, Queen Esther? And what is your request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be given to you. Esther said, If it pleases the king, may the king and Haman come this day to the banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, that we may do as Esther desires. So the king and Haman came to the banquet which Esther had prepared. As they drank their wine at the banquet, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? For it shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be done. So Esther replied, My petition and my request is, If I found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and do what I request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet which I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king says. Then Haman went out that day glad and pleased of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, and that he did not stand up or tremble before him, Haman was filled with anger against Mordecai. Haman controlled himself, however, went to his house and sent for his friends and his wife Zeresh. Then Haman recounted to them the glory of his riches, and the number of his sons, 
and every instance where the king had magnified him, and how he had promoted him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman also said, Even Queen Esther, let no one but me come with the king to the banquet, which she had prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her with the king. Yet all of this does not satisfy me. Every time I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. Then Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends send to him, Have a gallows, fifty cubits high, made, and in the morning ask the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go joyfully with the king to the banquet. And the advice pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. During that night, the king could not sleep, so he gave an order to bring the book of records, the chronicles, and they were read before the king. It was found written what Mordecai had reported concerning Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who were doorkeepers, that they had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. The king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this. Then the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. So the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace in order to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows, which he had prepared for him. The king's servant said to him, Behold, Haman is standing in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, What is to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor? And Haman said to himself, Whom would the king desire to honor more than me? Then Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king desires to honor, let them bring a royal robe which the king has worn and the horse on which the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal crown has been placed. And let the robe and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble princes, and let them array the man whom the king desires to honor, and lead him on horseback through the city square, and proclaim before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Take quickly the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so for Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not fall short in anything of all that you have said. So Haman took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai, and led him on horseback through the city square, and proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried home, mourning, with his head covered. Haman recounted to Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends, everything that had happened to him. Then his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, 
is of Jewish origin, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. While they're still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hastily brought Haman to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. Now the king and Haman came to drink wine with Esther the queen. And the king said to Esther on the second day also, as they drank their wine at the banquet, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to half of the kingdom it shall be done. Then Queen Esther replied, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me as my petition, and my people as my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Now if we had only been sold as slaves, men and women, I would have remained silent, for the trouble would not be commensurate with the annoyance to the king. Then King Ahasuerus asked Queen Esther, Who is he, and where is he, who would presume to do this? Esther said, A foe and an enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman became terrified before the king and queen. The king arose in his anger from drinking wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm had been determined against him by the king. Now when the king returned from the palace garden into the place where they were drinking wine, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he even assault the queen with me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs who were before the king, said, Behold, indeed, the gallows standing at Haman's house, fifty cubits high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on behalf of the king. And the king said, Hang him on it. So they hanged Haman on the gallows, which he had prepared for Mordecai, and the king's anger subsided. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, to Queen Esther, and Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had disclosed what he was to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had taken away from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Then Esther spoke again to the king, fell at his feet, wept, and implored him to avert the evil scheme of Haman the Agagite, and his plot which he had devised against the Jews. The king extended the golden scepter to Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king. Then she said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor before him, and the matter seems proper to the king, and I am pleasing in his sight, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman, 
the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the calamity which will befall my people? And how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? So King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given the house of Haman to Esther, and him they have hanged on the gallows, because he had stretched out his hand against the Jews. Now you write to the Jews as you see fit, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring. For a decree which is written in the name of the king, and sealed with the king's signet ring, may not be revoked. So the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month, that is, the month Sivan, on the twenty-third day, and it was written according to all that Mordecai commanded to the Jews, the satraps, the governors, and the princes of the provinces which extended from India to Ethiopia, one hundred and twenty-seven provinces, to every province according to its script, and to every people according to their language, as well as to the Jews according to their script and their language. He wrote in the name of King Ahasuerus, and sealed it with the king's signet ring, and sent letters by couriers on horses, riding on steeds sired by the royal stud. And then the king granted the Jews who were in each and every city the right to assemble and to defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate the entire army of any people or province which might attack them, including children and women, and to plunder their spoil, on one day in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, that is, the month Adar. A copy of the edict to be issued as law in each and every province was published to all the peoples, so that the Jews would be ready for this day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers, hastened and impelled by the king's command, went out, riding on the royal steeds, and the decree was given out at the citadel in Susa. Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white, with a large crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple and the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. For the Jews there was light and gladness and joy and honor. And each and every province, and in each and every city, wherever the king's commandment and his decree arrived, there was gladness and joy for the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many among the peoples of the lands became Jews, for the dread of the Jews had fallen on them. Now in the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth day, when the king's command and edict were about to be executed, on the day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, it was turned to the contrary, so that the Jews themselves gained the mastery over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in their cities 
throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm, and no one could stand before them, for the dread of them had fallen on all the peoples. Even all the princes of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and those who were doing the king's business assisted the Jews, because the dread of Mordecai had fallen on them. Indeed, Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout all the provinces. For the man Mordecai became greater and greater. Thus the Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying, and they did what they pleased to those who hated them. At the citadel in Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. In Parshandatha, Dalphon, Aspatha, Poratha, Adalia, Aridatha, Parmashta, Arisai, Aridai, and Vizatha, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Jews' enemy, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. On that day, the number of those who were killed at the citadel in Susa was reported to the king. The king said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed five hundred men and the ten sons of Haman at the citadel in Susa. What then have they done in the rest of the provinces? Now, what is your petition? It shall even be granted you. And what is your further request? It shall also be done. Then said Esther, If it pleases the king, let tomorrow also be granted to the Jews who are in Susa to do according to the edict of today. And let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded that it should be done so. And an edict was issued in Susa, and Haman's ten sons were hanged. The Jews who were in Susa assembled also on the fourteenth day of the month Adar, and killed three hundred men in Susa. But they did not lay their hands on the plunder. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces assembled to defend their lives and rid themselves of their enemies and kill 75,000 of those who hated them, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. This was done on the 13th day of the month Adar, and on the 14th day they rested and made it a day of feasting and rejoicing. But the Jews who were in Susa assembled on the 13th and the 14th of the same month, and they rested on the 15th day, and made it a day of feasting and rejoicing. Therefore the Jews of the rural areas, who lived in the rural towns, make the 14th day of the month Adar a holiday for rejoicing and feasting and sending portions of food to one another. Then Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to celebrate the fourteenth day of the month Adar, and the fifteenth day of the same month annually, because on these days 
the Jews ridded themselves of their enemies. And it was a month which was turned for them from sorrow into gladness, and from mourning into a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and rejoicing, and sending portions of food to one another, and gifts to the poor. Thus the Jews undertook what they had started to do, and what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the adversary of all the Jews, had schemed against the Jews to destroy them, and had cast poor, that is, the lot, to disturb them and destroy them. But when it came to the king's attention, he commanded by letter that his wicked scheme, which he had devised against the Jews, should return on his own head, and that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore they called these days Purim, after the name of Pur. And because of the instructions in those letters, both what they had seen in this regard and what had happened to them, the Jews established and made a custom for themselves and for their descendants, and for all those who allied themselves with them, so that they would not fail to celebrate these two days according to their regulation and according to their appointed time annually. So these days were to be remembered and celebrated throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city. And these days of Purim were not to fail from among the Jews, or their memory fade from their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter about Purim. He sent letters to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, namely, words of peace and truth, to establish these days of Purim at their appointed times, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had established for them, and just as they had established for themselves and for their descendants with instructions for their times of fasting and their lamentations. The command of Esther established these customs for Purim, and it was written in the book. Okay, so we are almost done with Esther. We just need one more very short chapter before we enter into the book of Job. But we need to talk about the overarching themes that we see in the book of Esther here. There are some very important things we need to take away from this that should be very familiar to us based on what we know about our Lord God from not only what we should know in our personal lives, but what we have learned about him in our readings up until this point. So we first see that Esther is setting the stage to have Haman held accountable for what he's done and to get into the king's favor to work in her behalf. And Haman is so full of himself. He's He thinks he's the greatest thing that ever happened to mankind, apparently, because he feels so special. Not only is he going to be, he thinks he's 
you know, second in line to the throne for some reason, but also not only that, but Queen Esther herself, her loveliness invited me and me alone to a banquet with the king. So I must be someone really special, really important for Queen Esther to invite me. But he does not know that he's walking into his own trap. And we see that language happen so often, especially in the Psalms, which we're getting to here soon. God loves to frustrate the plans of evil. That is why it's clear throughout Scripture, and he has already said this, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Esther and Mordecai did the right thing in that they did not take vengeance for themselves, but they allowed room for God to exact his vengeance on behalf of his people. And you see God just orchestrate all this behind the scenes and set up Haman to be frustrating all his plans. Because we start off the day with him being happy and pleased of heart, and he's having a great time. He just finished with the the first banquet with King Oswaris and Queen Esther. And he was going to go home and just tell his whole family how awesome he was. And then he saw that guy, that wretched guy that he just cannot stand, Mordecai. And he controls himself, but he went to his house, he talked to his wife and his friends, and what does he do? How does he comfort himself? Haman recounted to them the glory of his riches and the number of his sons and every instance where the king had magnified him and how he had promoted him above the princes and servants of the king. Even Queen Esther let no one but me come to the banquet. And here is something that is a reoccurring theme in our lives as well. Yet, all that, I have all the wealth, I have all the fame, I have all the power, which are all the things that this world can offer, and pretty much those are the only things the world can offer, fame, wealth, and power. Yet, all of this does not satisfy me. You could stop it right there, but he is attributing all of his problems to one man, to Mordecai. Yet all of this does not satisfy me every time I see that Jew at the king's gate. So his wife has a brilliant idea, along with his friends. Why don't you just have him killed and all your problems will go away, apparently. You just hang him on a gallows, 50 cubits high. Make the ultimate spectacle out of him to show him you don't mess with Haman. And, of course, that sounded like a fantastic idea. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. And so it was constructed. 50 cubits high, again, the average cubit was 18 inches. So you're talking about a gallows 75 feet tall. That is excessively high. Now, in those days, the city walls were about that high. So that you could see anywhere in town how great 
his power was by having those gallows made. You couldn't see, you couldn't miss it anywhere in town. So then we have God interrupting King Ahasuerus' sleep in chapter 6, right? He could not sleep. And this is God's doing because the Chronicles are brought out. And in the Chronicles was written about Mordecai. What have we what have we done for him? Have we recognized him in any way for thwarting the plan to destroy me? No, we haven't done anything for him. Really? Okay. Well, I want to fix that. So let's see, who's around here? Is anybody here? Haman's here. Oh, perfect. He's just the man I wanted to talk to. And what would you want to do for a man that you want to greatly honor? And Haman, of course, being full of himself, thinks that the king is talking about him. So Haman gives this grand thing that the king should do to honor that person. Let him have the robe that, that you have worn. Have, let him ride a horse that you've ridden. Have a crown on his head and parade him through the city square. And let everybody know that this is what happens when the king honors you. And Haman thought for sure this was going to be him. And he was so wrong. In fact, it was the exact opposite. Isn't that how God works? It's always the opposite of what evil wants. I love that. And then you see Haman have to eat some humble pie here, and he's the one that has to array Mordecai himself. You don't see what kind of a mood he's in. You don't see how he's reacting to it yet. But at the moment, you're probably just like, I have to do it because the king told me to, but I am hating every minute of this. So because you see in verse 12 that he returned home mourning with his head covered. He was so ashamed and he was so embarrassed. And he told his family and his friends what had happened. And they said to him, he's a Jew. And if he is defeating you, then you will not overcome him and you will surely fall. They know who's behind him. They won't say it here. What they are trying to say is that the Lord God is on his side. And the Lord will defeat you because you're an Agagite and you're against his people. If he's prevailing over you, you're going to lose. I mean, they were wise enough to see that. They know from their own history that God does this. And so we see it come into play. We see Haman hanged by his own gallows for two things. For one, Queen Esther finally tells the king what she wants after earning his favor. And she reveals that she is a Jew. She describes the plot that's happening against her people, and King Oswaris doesn't really know about it. Remember? Because he gave the royal seal to Haman, and he let Haman do as he pleased. And so he, he was hands-off on the process. He may have been aware of it, or maybe he, would, he had not been aware of it to that extent, but he wasn't the one who did it. But it was in his name, so he had to take accountability for it. So the king asks, 
who's who did this? The man sitting right next to you here, Haman. And you just see the king just get so angry. And Haman knew his days were numbered. So he stayed and begged for his life with the queen. And it said that when he returned from the garden palace, that Haman was falling on the couch. So we don't know if he like was stumbling around drunk and he fell on the couch and accidentally fell onto her or in her presence or he was reclining on the couch and it just looked really awkward and inappropriate. We don't really know. But I assume that he got close to Queen Esther on the couch and was begging for his life there. And since he looked way too close, the king's like, really? You're going to assault a queen while I'm present? Wow, you're just really not helping your case at all here, buddy. And so then they covered his face and they hung him immediately on the 50 cubit tall gallows for the whole nation to see. And you see that kind of extravagance in terms of vengeance. That God made it so obvious it was him. I love how God does that. He, how he glorifies himself in that way. Where he makes it known that there's no way a man could have done this. This was God's doing. And everyone knows it. Everyone now knows it. So Haman is now out of the picture. And the king has now given the signet ring to Mordecai. And now Esther and Mordecai can do as they need to do in order to protect their people. They set up a particular day. And that particular day was going to be in the 12th month, which is the month of Dar, which is on in the 13th day of the month. So because he could not revoke his previous decree, the new decree allowed the Jews to defend themselves and to destroy their attackers. In historical documents, we actually do have the actual written counter-decree, and it is signed June 25th, 474 B.C. Now, obviously, the year 474 B.C. isn't written on there because that concept wasn't there, but the way that they kept track of historical records was, was exactly dated. And so it was easy for us to tell when it was done. And immediately once it was decreed, then they made several copies of it and sent it quickly to every area of his territory. And if you looked at the actual world map of how big this territory that King Oswaras had. It's huge. 127 provinces. I mean, it extended from India all the way to the east to India through, you know, Persia and all of the Middle East, even past them, even into Egypt, North Africa. All the way to Macedonia, which, you know, over by modern-day Greece and that area. I mean, it was a huge empire. And it was immediately disseminated to all these different places. And it allowed them the ability to defend themselves, and they were able to do that. They defeated their enemies. And doesn't God do that? God set this up in such a way that he was able to destroy the enemies of his chosen people. 
Now, Mordecai became the figurehead that people looked up to in this way, but behind all of that, we don't see any arrogance in him. And that's good, because we know that the Lord is with him, and Queen Esther is strongly supporting from behind the scenes. And so if you don't think a woman is able to do something great, absolutely she can. I mean, she's not the first one in the Bible that we've read that's able to do wonderful things. Don't you ever underestimate a woman. So they had that one day where they were able to destroy their enemies, but they did not take any plunder. And then the second day, they had a feast. The only exception was in the citadel of Susa. They added a, a second day of purging, which included Haman's sons. And in total, in the entire congregation of the provinces, 75,000 were killed for those who hated the Jews. So as a result of their victory, and through the feast that they had thereafter, Mordecai and Esther made it an official holiday for the Jews, which is now even celebrated today, called Purim. And they had made it in such an important holiday that it's almost like it was added to the Law of Moses, in a sense, where it needs to be observed annually as it was decreed by Mordecai. Now, Mordecai was in this very high position with King Oswaris for about eight years, because we're going to read chapter 10 tomorrow, but he was in his position, we estimate, by only about eight years, because the Persians in this time period kept excellent records. And so we have so much of what went on in the ancient world at that time because of these chronicles, these records that they kept. And Mordecai's mentioned on there. But at 465 BC, which is roughly about eight years after this, we don't see his name in there anymore. So we don't know what happened to him at that point. But he did not hold his office for more than eight years or so. There's another man's name that appears in that office after that. So we don't really know what happened. Now, before any of this stuff happened in Esther, so history shows that in chapter 1 of Esther, during that time period, for the six months that the king was showing the grandeur of his court and all this stuff, it is likely that it was when he had planned with his military leaders to invade Greece in around 480 B.C., and at the conclusion of all of this, it did not go well. In fact, he was defeated. And according to the history records, he was defeated at Plataea in 479 BC, which was in that very same area. And so this was when he began looking for a new queen. And so we are going to see that in chapter 10... King Ahasuerus is going to lay a tribute on the land and on the coastlands of the sea. It was likely meant to pay for the disastrous expedition to Greece, which is the battle that he had lost. And I liked seeing the stuff that's outside the Bible to accompany this because it shows what was going on in real time, that there was more than what is written in the book of Esther. And yet it doesn't change the narrative of the Bible, which is good. I love how God does that. And it's so awesome, especially in the world of archaeology, just to see how 
history and archaeology confirms everything that happened in the Bible. I just love it. It's one of my greatest thrills to get that knowledge and that ability to see things from that time period that show that this was real. And we know the Bible is real. We have to. If we don't believe the Bible is real and that everything that's written in it actually happened, then we've got some serious problems. Because why believe anything in here if we don't believe that this was real? Very interesting read, and it was very nice to see what God was doing behind the scenes, even though he was never mentioned by name. We know it was him doing everything, establishing his people, rescuing them, using Mordecai as a form of a redeemer with Queen Esther as a support, and he just loves to frustrate the plans of the wicked. And that would be a reminder and a refreshment for us today. Because like personally in, in my life right now, I've got a lot of stuff going on in terms of pressures and occasional thoughts of hopelessness and because I have so many people who are against me simply because of my faith as well as because of my personality. I'm, I'm introverted and people have, sometimes don't fully understand why I do things or why I don't say something and they don't understand ideas of grace and mercy and compassion. And so sometimes they look like a weakness or I can be taken advantage of. But it's what I'm doing for them that they don't recognize. And it, it makes my position very hard. Because as a leader, it's very lonely up on the top. And there's no one that you can really confide in. And there is no emotional outlet. So, and more than anything, leaders need to be close to the Lord because he's the only one that will be able to give you that contentment, that sufficiency, and that peace. Knowing that I'm not perfect and I, I won't do everything right, but the Lord will be with me and things will go well. Now, that's all that will really matter. It's much bigger than the day-to-day -day stuff. And we just can't forget that. But anyway, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.